Hello and welcome to the Sports Hour on Brebank Live and Live FM. Great to have your company. First things first today, we're going to be going to our poll, which is which team is the most under pressure in 2021? So when the season starts next year, tell me which AFL team you think is most under pressure. You've got Melbourne, Essendon, GWS and other. So tell me your team who you think is most under pressure in the AFL season next year when it begins uh, and that'll be interesting to see which way that falls. Without further ado, though, we'll get our news update today. We'll go to Patrick and uh, get our news update. Thanks for having me on, Max. Uh, a lot of world, a lot of sport in the world today. Uh, let's start with the French Open. And Sophia Kennan, the winner of the Australian Open this year, has won a semi-final again in two sets against Petra Kvitova. While 19-year-old Igor Sudostik will be playing in her first Grand Slam final after beating wildcard player Nadia Pogoska. Uh, this was Swastik after the match. It seems unreal. Uh, I'm kind of like, on one hand, I know that I can play great, great tennis, but on the other hand, I, it's kind of surprising for me. And it's um, I never would have thought that I'm going to be in the final, so it's crazy. And um, yeah, I just kept believing in myself. And um, yeah, it's amazing for me. It's like a dream come true. So basically... I was a little bit, uh, like, overwhelmed, you know. That was Swastik talking to ITV. Now to soccer, where England has defeated Wales three goals to nil, with evidence star Dominic Calvin-Lewin, Wolves player Connor Cody, and Southampton player Danny Ings scoring the goals. While for Belgium, they were held to a one-all draw against Ivory Coast. Now to some F1 news. Michael Schumacher's son, Mick Schumacher, were making his F1 debut with Alfa Romeo, Tonight in the practice session and off at the Eiffel Grand Prix. Uh, this is Mick on driving in an F1 car for the first time. No preparation has been uh, going well. Uh, obviously, also the the day in Fiorano, which helped a lot to get kind of into rhythm of how a Formula One car works and also how a steering wheel f- works, because obviously that's the most technical part of fast drivers. Uh, and also, obviously, the work with the engineers uh, is also a lot more, let's say, specified than in F2. Obviously, uh, when you get the chat to talk to Kimi or Antonio, it's obviously very, very valuable. I've been here myself 2018, but it was only on the short track. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to go out on the on the proper GP track. Especially proud of my dad for, you know, for achieving all of this. I think he, obviously, he is the best and he will always be the best for me. So, uh, and yeah, I always will look up to him. And that was Mick talking to Sky Sports commentator, Martin Brundle. Back to you, Max, in the studio. Thanks for that news update, Patrick. Uh, Some interesting thoughts there and uh, some news from the week. Now we're going to have a little bit of a chat about uh, the AFL finals coming up. Uh, The Richmond Tigers are playing St Kilda tonight. Uh, That's at 7.50. And then you got Geelong and Collingwood on Saturday night at 7.40. Um, We'll start off with the Tigers and the Saints tonight. What are your thoughts heading into this game? Who do you... Do you think the Saints have got enough to challenge the Tigers and potentially get a win? Uh, they've got a very good chance. Uh, really good coach, Brett Ratton. I like, I like what they're doing at the, at the Saints. Uh, I think they're, they're a bit of a bogey side for us. Um, the last game when we played them at Eddie had, we didn't look great. Uh, just, just game style um, for St Kilda. They play that fast footy. Uh, I like their movement. Um, Dan Butler's proven his worth, um, which is great for the Saints. And if he, he kicks a few goals tonight, uh, the Tigers are going to be in a bit of strife, and we didn't look great against Brisbane. We, we didn't, we played too slow for a bit of it, uh, just a bit indisciplined, and 
Also, our forward line, it seemed like we were not structured. We kept bombing the ball in. And as Mark McClure says, it's more dump kicks. So we don't, when we get the ball in, we don't think about, don't lower the eyes. If you lower the eyes, especially tonight, and I've got a, well, I've got a reason why we played it, we're playing at Metricon tonight, is because of the game plan. Our game plan suits the ground like Metricon. Um, while the St Kilda would rather play at the Gabba because it's smaller, narrower, you know, it's a bit like Geelong's ground. So it's got that quick ball movement. While at Metricon, where I know it's going to be about 25 degrees in, in Queensland today, in Gold Coast, and the humidity is going to be increased by 80%. So the ball's going to be a bar of soap. We're going to like it to get on the deck. Uh, guys like Jason Castaniel, Daniel Rioli, uh, they looked they looked good last week. They just couldn't get the ball and kick goals. And um, as i uh, written about this week, guys who are going to improve for the final series, and especially for Richmond, I was going to say Marby Elchol, but unfortunately he got dropped. Um, I think Josh Caddy is a great pickup as well. Get him in the team. I think he's a bloke we need. Um, and, you know, I think maybe a bloke, like, you know, you look at you look at Richmond's team, they should win. But, again, it's 2020. Anything is possible. And then, on the other hand, with Collingwood and Geelong, um, the Pies, mate, they look very good against West Coast. They killed it. And uh, I'll give credit to them. You know, they just looked like a team, team that could really get go all the way. And, um, again, it's 2020. Anything is possible. Geelong, well, they played against Port. And everyone's going, oh, same old Geelong. Lose the qualifying final. I'd argue that Geelong had a lot of chances to win that game. And they didn't. And it'd go down to maybe Tom Hawkins, who kicked two goals, four, could have kicked six on the night, uh, had a lot of missed opportunities early on. Um, again, I would argue Chris Scott's game plan is very good. I just think that uh, they're too reliant on Patrick Dangerfield to get the ball and do something. It's, it seems like they're relying on Dangerfield to get the ball and get it forward. If they don't have him, oh, they don't know what to do. It feels like Metagola and those guys, when it comes to playing against... Uh, what I'd say, A-grade footballers, they look really bad. They just don't look position-wise. And they just, they look, and I, I take away the game plan for two minutes. Just, you don't need, you don't need to, rel- you shouldn't be relying on one player to get the ball. And uh, a good example of that would be Dangerfield kicked that goal on the burst running away. A great goal. Mm. But you go to yourself, well, why is Dangerfield doing all this work? There should be other players doing it. So Correct. that comes back, to, you know what I mean? It comes back to that. And then Collingwood, on the other hand, um, well, they did something that I didn't expect to happen. I thought West Coast were going to trounce them in the end. And when that last play happened, I went, oh, no, here we go again. West Coast is going to kick the winner. You can see it. And um, I think it's just, I think it just proves Collingwood are a bit of, bit of, an, bit of a, da- a dark horse. And I think if you look at – a good example would be you look at Collingwood and you look at a team like Port, they're very similar, they're very underrated. A lot of people go, oh, are they that good? Are they, you know, so you get, that, you get that question about them. So I wouldn't be surprised if Collingwood do beat Geelong. Um, and the reasons for that would be more to do with just Geelong are too heavily reliant on one player, and that's the problem. They're too heavily reliant, and I wouldn't be surprised either to see Geelong bounce back as they normally do on a semi-final weekend. Also, it helps with playing at the Gabba, less crowd, and also the weather as well, where it's going to be dewy, so be uh, good for the small forwards. I don't mind that for this week for Collingwood. Dark horse. It's not bad. It's a bit... This could uh this could be uh, Collingwood's name for this week. It was Dirty Magpies last week. I think uh, Dark Horse might be going viral here, Patrick. Uh, that's a good way to describe them. They are a dark horse in this final series. Um, they've come alive at the right time of year, um, and they've come right alive because I I couldn't see this happening uh, with Collingwood the way they were going. But if they brought it together, which they have. Anything could happen now. And the Geelong Cats are a bit rattled, struggling in front of goal. Um, 
and the Saints, gee whiz, their, uh, their marking and intercept marking last week was incredible. They were controlling the ball in the air. Every time a ball came forward and uh, the ball was kicked forward from the Bulldogs, the Saints would just be there taking intercept marks, a bit like the Eagles um, and, uh, and, and their defenders at the Eagles, um, Barris, McGovern, Hearn. The Saints look dangerous, uh, but the Tigers, your Tigers, what will need to be, what needs to be done to to stop that intercept marking? You think? Do you, what and what and if 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 you don't think that's much much of an issue, what other areas of the game do you think the Tigers need to step up in this week or continue to do well? Well, I think we've got to step up in just lowering our eyes with the ball movement. Uh, yeah. I think our, I think our ball movement's really good. Um, I think the way we play the game is it's a bit like Barcelona, tikka-taka, and it works beautifully when it does. But when it doesn't, you get shut down and we get stuck in this rut of just bombing the ball forward. And I think the pleasing thing, Tom Lynch comes into the side tonight, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great thing. Uh, you got, again, I said Josh Caddy. And Caddy's someone that I would have argued, why do you not pick him last week is a bit odd. Um, you know, good football. A lot of people say, a lot of Richmond fans say to me, oh, Caddy's not that great. He doesn't do a lot. I go, well, Every time he gets the ball, he does something with it. And I think if you have him in the team, you're going to get a bit more, bit more forward structure. Uh, it means like guys like Daniel Riley, Castagna aren't going up for those marks. They're actually holding their ground and their feet. Also, in the ruck contest, which I found odd last week as well, is Marbion Child played forward. Now, I'd put him in the ruck. He's a better player in the ruck. And I know he's not playing this week, but again, I'm a bit concerned with that ruck, with that ruck battle. But now with Paddy Ryder out, um, that helps us a bit, uh, especially in the clearances. Also, one to keep your eye on as well is Dijon Pressier. He looked very, very slow last week, looked very out of touch of the game. And I hope, hope, I hope that uh, Jim has said something to him to get him going because he just didn't look there. He just it kind of looked like a cone. No offense, but he looked like a cone. Just did not look at all there. So uh, he'll need to, he'll really need to play a better game. And I say because we're playing at Gold Coast. There's a bit more of that, I think, Richmond are just, I think we'll slowly turn it around. And you know what? I'd rather hear them lose the qualifying than lose a prelim or lose the granny because everyone talks about it. You lose a qualifying, no one really talks about it. You win, you win your <laughs> semi, win your prelim, win your granny, then everyone's going to go, oh, you won it. So it has been done before, but again, Richmond's just going to have to lower the eyes again. Uh, and that's something they need to do, lower the eyes. Stop bombing it in. Uh, that's, just my, that's my point on it more than anything. And the French Open... Um... Can you tell us a little bit about that, about the semi-finals for the men's and in the women's, it's the finals, uh, which is on, on Saturday night. Uh, and the men, the first semi-finals on tonight. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there in the French Open tennis? Well, I can say this. It's going to be an interesting one because Novak Djokovic and Nadal, it should be the final. Uh, but it's 2020, things possible. Nadal's, Nadal's had an interesting run through it. Um, What's interesting is the conditions at French Open is very, very different to the ones they normally play in the middle of June. Uh, June, it's normally hot, weather's warm, the ball's doing everything on the clay. Uh, but this time, because it's in October and the conditions are uh, cooler, and the 19 degrees was the temperature for the semi-final, you say, for the semi-final between uh, when Kennan was playing. And with, with Nadal, the back end, if he doesn't get any topspin on the back end, the ball comes flat. So... Just imagine a flat backhand coming at 120. I know for us tennis players, for me and for you, we might not be able to hit it for a professional tennis player. They're able to go bang, kind of time it. So if hmm. it doesn't spin, doesn't get the pace off the ball. So Schwartzman's a good player, uh, arguably under, very underrated. He, he knows how to play games. So he'll, he'll know to push Nadal. It could go five steps. Nadal's coming off an 
interesting game where he played three sets against the Italian. I forget his, I forget his name, sorry. Uh, they, he won in three sets. It went for three hours, though. Um, so, you know, and the game didn't finish to 1.30. So I don't know how Nadal's going to mm. how he recovered from that. Also, on the Djokovic end, um, he's got an interesting one. He's got an interesting battle, uh, and that is against... Uh, the Greek that, Freak. Yeah, the Greek Freak. It's um, a bus. Yeah, it's a bus. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that, Max. Um, yep. It's a bus, who's, again... Quality tennis player, underrated. Um, he has he can beat Djokovic. He has beaten before, has been before, and has proven to beat the big names like Federer uh, and Nadal. So it's very possible. Again, clay's a very clay's a different surface to the other other surfaces. And I'd say in the men's draw side thing, you, you would you'd say Nadal, Djokovic, but who knows? It's twenty twenty. Anything's possible. And as we say on the women's draw, it's it's very you would you would have predicted Serena Williams to win it in a canter, but again, Serena Williams doesn't. And we've got two. We've got arguably. I think one of the best tennis players going around is Sophia Kennan, a uh, quality player. She's proven at the Australian Open, and I think now, now going to hopefully she'll win the. I think she'll win the French. Be a good game. I think it could go three sets. Um, both players like to hit heavy on the backhand. Um, baseline players, so they, they like that. So the final will be interesting. Um, be different to last year's because there's no crowd. Um, also, also you've got you know no Ash Barty, so it's a little bit different there. But the odd thing is is that Kennan. I'd argue Kennan would be the. Uh, this is my opinion: is that Kennan is the number one tennis player at the moment, and I don't care what anyone says. But I think you've, if you make two Grand Slam finals, how does the justification for Ash Barty to make be number one? It's a bit odd, and I know the rankings are all over the place, but it's just odd for myself. But also, I like to say that the Polish player in uh, Swarovski, she's a quality player uh, for 19 year old to be at that ranking. Um, yeah. And I think I think they said in the commentary last night they said. Her, her ranking would go up to 31 if she makes the final. So it's a bloody good effort. And I hope she goes well. And it'd be an interesting French Open. Yeah, certainly. And um, to, at 19, to be in the final, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive uh, on the world stage. Um, and yeah, we, she, that'd be great to watch, actually. It'd be remarkable if she got over the line there against Kennan, who is, um, you know, fourth, fourth in the world um, in yeah, rankings. Yeah, she has. So, um, sorry yeah, and sorry to take mm. off there, Max, but she has cut out the best. She played Simone, Simone, Simona Halep sorry, in the fourth round and won in straight sets, demolished her 6-1, 6-2. And she's had a, quite of an easy draw, um, except for maybe Halep. Every other game she's played against unseeded players. So the only real test is Halep, and she's done it, she's done it before in round four. So uh, she could easily do it on um, Saturday night against um, Cannon. Very possible. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see the 19-year-old lifting the trophy. Yep, and plenty to watch there, Patrick. Uh, you got the tennis and uh, the footy finals, and uh, and some more as well, of course. But um, thanks for coming on the Sports Hour, and uh, appreciate your news update as always, and uh, having a little bit of a chat with us today. It's a pleasure, Max. Thanks to be on, mate. And that was Patrick Morrow, sports writer at the Raw Sports, and we thank him for coming on for giving us the news once again. Now we welcome Isabella uh, to give us our weekend sports segment. How are you going, Isabella? Yeah, good. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me on. No worries. All right. So, yeah, just talking about the semifinals for this weekend for the footy. So it starts tonight with Richmond and St Kilda. So it's very exciting. Uh, You would think Richmond are going to win this game. They won't want to lose two in a row. They'll want to bounce back. Uh, They have Tom Lynch back as well. I think St Kilda can put up a good fight, though. I think their style may trouble Richmond. They've got that fast, exciting style. It's good to watch. But, yeah, you'd think Richmond are probably going to get over the top. Um, I think if St Kilda are in it um, up, 
at half time. I think that's a real positive. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see, I guess, for that. Should be a good game. I think most people will be going for St Kilda though, um, if you're a neutral supporter. Um, but yeah, I, I think Richmond can still definitely win the Premiership, to be honest. I still think they probably could be favourites besides uh, Brisbane. So yeah, if they get over this one, I think they can definitely beat Port in Adelaide and, and then they'll, yeah, they definitely could win the grand final. So we'll wait and see. And then Saturday night, we've got Geelong and Collingwood. So obviously uh, my boys Geelong, um, we had a disappointing loss uh, last week. You know, we didn't get blown out of the water, but um, yeah, we just couldn't kick straight, unfortunately. And I'm a bit worried playing you guys. I think you're, you're a Collingwood supporter, I think, Max. So yep. um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit worried. Um, we don't always play well against Collingwood. You guys, we, you guys seem to match up well against us and your game style usually troubles us. So I'm very nervous to be honest and I don't get nervous too much uh, for games. So yeah, that's not great. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's going to be a close game. I think, you know, we Geelong never lose two in a row. The last time we lost two in a row was in 2018. So a little while ago, but, uh, and usually we lose a qualifying and then we win the semi. That's just usually how it works. So I don't know if that's going to happen again, but we usually are fired up and we, we don't want to lose, We never like to lose two in a row. So I give us a little bit of um, hope, but in saying that, I still think you guys will probably get the job done. You guys are going to have all the momentum from that big win in Perth. Uh, so we'll talk about it later about the game, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a close one. I'm really looking forward to it. And Geelong's loss, we'll have a bit of a chat now about the Geelong-Collingwood game, seeing that you follow Geelong and I'm a Collingwood supporter, so it works out pretty well. How much do you think Geelong sort of lost their momentum um, or sort of just even just their game style and like just comfortable in playing the way they play? How much do you reckon that was lost from last, last week's loss against Port? Yeah, well, it's it's just unfortunate. For some reason, our game style just doesn't stack up in finals. I don't know if the players get really nervous or or what it is. It's hard to say because I think, you know, if we had a kick straight, I think we could have definitely beat Port. You know, Hawkins, I think, missed five. He got five points, which he doesn't usually do that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's really tough um, to read what we're going to do this week. You know, you guys will have more of the momentum than, than us, Uh but like I said, yeah, we'll probably be fired up. And I wouldn't think Hawkins is going to kick that badly again. And I wouldn't think the team would kick that badly again. And, and yeah, it's, it's tough to know, though. Yeah, it's true. Um, like, you guys just had just as many scoring shots as uh, what Port Adelaide did. And Mick McGuan said the exact same thing last week when he came on the show. Uh, and that he said it was a pretty even game. So, yeah, I don't think um, Geelong, there's not much to sort of be disappointed about apart from sort of the, the, the goal kicking and just the inaccuracy. Uh, but that was going to be my next question. Uh, as you mentioned before, does Geelong's game style stand up in finals? They Collingwood sort of played the same way. They're like little short chip kicks, trying to retain possession of the ball. Do, do you think that is the wrong way to go about it? And that's been Geelong's issue um, sort of in finals when the pressure's on? And uh, the intensity's yeah. right up. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit frustrating being a Geelong supporter sometimes. We don't always play the best style of footy. It can be a bit boring, especially if you're a neutral supporter watching. You're probably like, what is this? Um, but, you know, we're not going to just change our style, like, for finals. Um, they're not going to do that. So, yeah, it's, I think, you know, that's why I think Richmond and, and you guys always seem to trouble us. Like, in the past, Collingwood have played pretty fast footy against us. Richmond obviously played pretty fast as well. 
Um, and, and whoever plays fast against us, we just can't keep up. We do have a lot of slow players in our side. We don't have a lot of pace. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's all I've got for that one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really interesting one. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the way this game pans out because if Geelong sort of get a run and they sort of play their style, it's going to be a slow game and they might be able to stop Collingwood from that fast play. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But how about Joel Selwood? He's uh, touch and go to get up. Do you, what do you think? Do you think he'll, he'll get up for this game? Do you have any inside information? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any inside information, but I do think think he will play. Uh, it's, it's Joel Selwood we're talking about. Yep. Uh, he'd play with like two broken legs, I reckon. So he's obviously super tough and, you know, he's probably not going to be a hundred percent fit, but uh, I think he's, he'd still be in our top five best players on Saturday. Even if he's not a hundred percent fit, he's, he's just an awesome player and um, like he'll do anything for the team. So, but to be honest, during most of the year, we didn't have him. He was injured um, a lot of the year. So you know, if, if there was no Joel Salwood, I don't think we're going to definitely lose um, anything like that. So I think we can cover him because, um, like I said, this year we haven't had him for a lot of the year. But obviously it's going to it'd be better to have him out there. And I do think he will play. And I was scrolling just before this interview, I was scro- scrolling through your Twitter account and um, I, I saw um, that Jordan Degoe, last time Collingwood played um, Geelong, he kicked five goals. Um, is he someone that you guys need to stop? Um, and also, is who are there any other players you think Geelong need to stop um, for, for, for Geelong to sort of get on top in this game? Yeah, Dugowie's definitely one. Um, yeah, like you said, he kicked five against us. I think you guys only kicked eight goals that match um, during the year and he, only, he kicked the five of them. So definitely got to stop him. We don't really have a great matchup for him though. So I am a little bit worried uh, about mm. that, but I think if we can stop Dugowie, it will go a long way. Obviously Cox had a great game against West coast, but he can be inconsistent. So I'm not too worried about Cox. I think we could, um, you know, cover him pretty well, but all your team, really, you've got a lot of talent, um, a lot of exciting players. I'm a little bit worried about your back line, about your back line. Cause you're fast off the back line. Like you've got crisp and that Quainor and noble and, um, yep. even Darcy Moore, like, so I'm a little bit worried if you get that going, it's going to, it's going to hurt us a little bit, but, um, and even your midfield, like you've got Adams Pendlebury, obviously Grundy, I think he hasn't been in the best form. Um, so I think that's going to definitely help Stanley, but it's still Brody Grundy is still one of the best rocks in the comp. So he'll probably turn it on against us, to be honest, but, um, everywhere around the ground will trouble us, to be honest with different parts. It, it just depends how the game goes, but yeah, you guys have a lot of talent and, yeah, definitely a team, like I said, Geelong always just don't play well against for some reason. Oh, it's um, just talking about it here. It's going to be a really close game, I think. Um, Hawkins, Roughhead's matched up on him. Um, I think he's going to play on him. That that could go pear-shaped for Collingwood. But because Roughhead, he's tall. He's sort of, Hawkins, he's a good mover for his size. and He can probably get some separation from Hawkins, uh, from Roughhead and, and Hawkins can take some good marks for you guys. That, that'll be a great matchup, I think. What about, um, uh, what about Geelong's season? And do, do you think that, like, how surprised are you with how they've gone? Or I've asked you this question in the past, but do, do you, are, you sort of, um, are you sort of overwhelmed by how well they've sort of gone? And do you think age has been, is a factor? Or do you think where Geelong's at right now is where they should be at? 
Yeah, I'm not really too surprised about the year. Obviously, I'm biased, but I thought we were going to contend um, this year as well. Like, we obviously made a prelim last year. We were, like, four goals up at halftime against Richmond. So, and I, I didn't think we were going to drop off or anything. Obviously, we lost Tim Kelly, and he's an important player. But, you know, we do have some young talent, which I think people do forget about. Um, I could list them right now, but, you know, there's a fair few. But, like, we do have, like, Parfit. Henry, Myers, um, O'Connor, like they're all pretty young. Um, and then we've got like Jordan Clark, Narkle that have both been injured this year that would be getting a game usually. So they're very young as well. So there's more I could list off too. So yeah, we obviously do have the top end talents pretty old, um, but we do have some exciting young talent as well, which I think a lot of people forget about. Um, but yeah, Hawkins, Dangerfield, Salwood, all the guns, even Duncan, they're all getting on a bit. Um, Blitzarves, you know, Harry Taylor, all of those guys. So, yeah, it's 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 not great, like, looking forward, knowing that those guys aren't going to be around forever. Um, I, th- I still think Hawkins and Dangerfield have a few good years left. Like, Dangerfield's only 30, I think. So, you know, he could go to 35, especially if he plays forward um, coming, like, at the back end of his um, career. And Hawkins would probably have maybe another two good years left, maybe, maybe only one. It's hard to know, but... Um, you'd think Gary Ablett and Harry Taylor will retire, but to be honest, I think we can cover that both of those guys. Gary didn't play a lot of this year anyway, and and Harry Taylor is <laughs> he's a little bit cooked. I think I think he should have retired last year, to be honest. But yeah, he still does his job well. But yeah, yeah, I think we've got some good young talent to um, come through. Um, we've got some good picks this year as well. Um, when Tim Kelly left, we got some good picks off West Coast and. So, yeah, I think we've got three first-round picks this year. So that's going to help unless we use them all on bloody other people um, (laughs) to get into the club. But we'll wait and see for that. But, yeah, I'm not all doom and gloom about Geelong. I I think this year and next year is probably our window or whatever you want to call it. And then I think after next year, like in 2022, I think it will start getting a little bit harder. But, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. But, yeah, I'm not too surprised about how we've gone this year. I'm happy, but... It's still it's still a bit to go. Obviously, I'd want to win the grand final, but yeah, who knows? And the winner from this game will play Port Adelaide. Is that, that that's right? Yeah. Uh, the winner will play Brisbane. Brisbane at the game. Oh yes, Brisbane. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. That's. Uh, so do you, who do you think will win the premiership? Um, and do you think I think we've got sort of an easier run. Whoever wins out of this game is luckier to be playing Brisbane than Port Adelaide. Uh, do, you, do you sort of have a team you're thinking will win it this year? Yeah, I still think Richmond, even though they're going to have to do it the hard way, I still think that when they're on, they're probably the best. They are the best team in the comp. So I, I would say Richmond still or Brisbane. I think um, Brisbane probably should be the favourites right now because obviously they've got they're going to have a home prelim and then they're going to have the grand final at the Gabba. So yeah, probably either Richmond or Brisbane. I think are the two that um, have the best chance. Yes, it's. Uh, I think the window's wide open. It's. I reckon Port could even do it. Everyone's got their own opinions. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's. It's the doors wide open. Um, even Collingwood or Geelong, hopefully. <laughs> but um. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on, Isabella, and um, appreciate your thoughts as always. And uh, thanks for giving us your, your preview of this weekend's AFL finals. Yeah, no worries, Max. Thanks for having me on. And that was Isabella Collins uh, coming on for the weekend sports segment and giving us a preview of the AFL finals this week. And now we go to some more sports from the weekend, starting off with the French Open tennis. Uh, The men's singles, the semi-finals are on. Uh, Tonight's game is between Rafael Nadal and Schwartzman, the Argentinian, uh, in 12th seed, and Rafael Nadal 
obviously in second seed. So that should be an interesting semi-final uh, tonight. You expect uh, Nadal to win that one, however, but it should be interesting. Uh, on Saturday, uh, you got Tsitsipas against Novak Djokovic, uh, which is on Saturday night. Uh, and that should be an interesting... Actually, no, that is on Saturday morning. So at 1.30 a.m. Uh, coming up this morning. So, uh, so Saturday morning at 1.30 a.m. That will be on. That'll be a uh, good game to watch. Uh, so... Yeah, they're the semi-finals in the in the men's, in the women's. Uh, you've got the final, which is on tonight, uh, and Kennan uh, will face the nineteen-year-old, uh, and and that that's the final tonight at eleven thirty. So that's going to be interesting to see uh, how that pans out. Now to the Bledisloe Cup in the rugby, where uh, that that the first game of the four-game series between the All Blacks and the Wallabies, the New Zealand. An Australia series, uh, it's a four-game series, and, and the first game is on uh, tomorrow, on Saturday, uh, at 2 p.m., uh, and that, that's at in, in played, That's going to be played in New Zealand. So it should be interesting to see how that goes and to see how the Australians uh, uh, end up in that game because, uh, yeah, obviously they've been in Australia, uh, which has been uh, struck by COVID-19 a bit worse than uh, what it has been in New Zealand. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Wallabies uh, come up against the All Blacks in that game tomorrow. So that should be one to look forward to. The F1 will also be back this Sunday. Uh, so tune into that at 11.10pm. Uh, and uh, that should be interesting to see how that all goes. To the NRL where the finals are on, the semi-finals this week, between the Roosters and Raiders and the Eels and Rabbitohs. So... The Storm have already progressed through to the pre preliminary finals uh, and they'll either play the Sydney Roosters or the Canberra Raiders. So that game's on tonight uh, at 7.50. So tune in to see who the Storm will be playing, either the Sydney Roosters or Canberra Raiders. The Eels, Parramatta Eels, face the Rabbitohs on Saturday night at 7.50. Uh, so that'll be interesting uh, to see how that, that goes and uh, who progresses through. To the Super Netball, where the Sunshine Coast Lightning will take on the West Coast Fever this Sunday at 12.30pm. Uh, that game will be on Channel 9, so you can tune into that there. And the winner from that game will be facing the Melbourne Vixens, who have already progressed through to the Grand Final. Uh, that's on next Sunday, the 18th of October at 12.30. So it will be really interesting to see uh, who wins out of the Sunshine Coast and West Coast Fever. Uh, and uh, whoever wins that game will obviously take on the Melbourne Vixens. To the NBA, where the Lakers lead the series 3-1, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if the Miami Heat can make a fight back here, uh, or will the Lakers do it in five games and win the series four games to one in the NBA final. Uh, the Lakers have been playing pretty well. Uh, they won last game by uh, eight points, uh, six points, sorry, and uh, and... Yeah, it's the Miami Heat have been playing well. Uh, they won that, that game three, so it's going to be interesting to see how game five goes. And uh, yeah, for the game's sake, uh, I think a lot of people might want to see the Heat keep the series alive and uh, to have some more basketball continue. The EPL, uh, the Everton, it's a big game between Everton and Liverpool on Saturday night. Uh, Everton are undefeated. Uh, they've won four straight and they're first on the ladder, uh, while Liverpool, they lost their first game. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that game pans out. Uh, Everton have been playing well, winning four straight. 
so that'll be an interesting game to watch. That's on 10.30 on Saturday night. So uh, tune into that. That's a good game to tune into. Uh, you've also got um, you've got Man City and Arsenal playing each other. Uh, Man City currently sit a bit lower down the ladder. They've uh, they've had a draw, loss, and win. They're 14th, and uh, and uh, Arsenal they're they're traveling quite well in fourth place, winning three games and having just one loss. So uh, the pressure's on Man City. They'll expect it to come into the season. Uh, they'll almost they'll pretty much favorites to win it this year. So uh, they're they're gonna have to uh, perform well and step up against a team that's going well in Arsenal. So. That'll be interesting to watch, and uh, obviously you got the AFL finals as we spoke about earlier with Isabella. But uh, that wraps up our weekend sport. A lot to watch, a lot on. Uh, you got basketball, tennis, you got the rugby, NRL, um, the netball, the EPL, uh, footy. So there's so much to watch. Uh, plenty to do. So uh, just looking forward to the weekend of sport ahead. We welcome our resident philosopher the all-important Charlie Gill, vital to the Sports Hour. How you going, Charlie? Very good, thanks, Max. As always, a pleasure to be here. Fantastic, and uh, we're, we're, we're honoured to have you on. We're going to go straight into it today, Charlie. Now, your team, Carlton. Actually, before we get to Carlton, we're going to go to our poll. So if you haven't mm-hmm. voted yet, jump on our poll at Sports Hour FM. Um, I'm sure you've already voted there, Charlie. But the options are, who is the team most under pressure to in the AFL next season? Um, so, as soon as the season gets underway next year, who is the team most under pressure? We've got Melbourne, Essendon, GWS, or other. So, you've got your four options there. Who is the team most under pressure in the AFL for next season? So... Again, Melbourne, Essendon, GWS, or other. What are your thoughts there, Charlie? Um, <clears throat> look, I don't think it's Essendon because, um, well, firstly, I think everyone's overreacting a little bit. All right, like Danaher's left. That was inevitable. They probably should have traded him last year just based on what they could have got back for him. However, I don't mind the decision to keep him and have confidence um, to convince him to stay. They failed in that endeavour, but... You've got to applaud them for their, uh, I guess, bravery. I am, guess I'm trying to find the good things in their situation here. Saad, like, obviously, as a Carlton fan, I'm really happy he's coming over. Um, if a player doesn't want to play for you, a player doesn't want to play for you. They're two really good players. Danaher's such a gun, like, when he's healthy, like, he's unbelievable. And Saad's, like, a top three BNF player for Essendon. Um, and I don't think that. You know, it's sad to lose both those players for them and also McKenna. Um, but things are never as bad as they seem and this could be good for them. Um, at the same time, though, I think I'm probably in the minority in thinking that. And most people think that, you know, um, it's just all gone to, you know, to hell and um, they're in a really bad position. They've hit rock bottom, I've heard people say, which they haven't, but people are saying it. Um, and they just reckon they're terrible. And because of that expectation, um, I wouldn't say there's any pressure on them next year, especially with a new coach. I think if they don't make finals, then that's at this point, that's expected because people are even talking about us having to go through a rebuild, which is unbelievable to me considering probably at the start of the season, like they would never have thought that's what people would be saying at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, people are probably ex- definitely expecting them to finish 
bottom bottom ten, um, bottom six even next year. So that's why I don't think Essendon really have any pressure if they finish fifteenth. Like people will expect that. Um, GWS is a big one that everyone's saying is uh, under pressure, um, and they are. I mean, they've got Leon Cameron, who they signed to um, uh, another deal, which I've I've heard the AFL weren't happy about that because um, you know they they wanted to get rid of him because he's um, seemingly not able to drive the Ferrari, uh, to quote Craig Hutchinson's iconic line. Um, but wow. um, when you look at that, yeah, I mean, look at the you know the players they've had, you know. Um, everyone talks about the talent on their list and et cetera, et cetera. Like, it is undeniable. They've got Kelly. They've got um, Toby Green. They've got, you know, Nick Haynes, like Kennedy. Like, all these really good players. Um, it's it's a finals list and they didn't make finals. And if they don't make finals next year, then I think it's undoubted that um, Leon Cameron will go. But um, I think maybe... Maybe GWS, the GWS leadership that decided to keep Cameron on were, you know, it's a trend. It's a tr- recent trend, sort of backing in coaches. Happened with Buckley and, you know, pretty successful, went to a grand final. Happened with Hardwick, obviously an extremely successful. He looked like he was going to go and then Richmond made a great call and kept him on and look, what, look what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened with Hinckley, who David Koch was considering firing last year. And look at him now, he's... You know, just being Ken, just being a legend, just winning games for Port. So I think that's what GWS are hoping will happen with Leon. And I don't know. I've got no judgment on basically whether it'll work or not. Um, but there's undoubtedly a lot of pressure on them. And then the team that I think, they're probably not as under much pressure as GWS. Personally, I think maybe they should be, which is Melbourne. Because, like... Very mediocre season. A very mediocre. Yeah, it's unbelievable what's happened. Like they went through. Like everyone's, everyone, I reckon everyone will talk about Carlton having a lot of being under a lot of pressure next year. Um, you know, and I agree. We we should be under pressure. We should want to make finals. Um, but if we miss out on finals, it won't be as big a deal as if Melbourne miss out on finals because Melbourne pretty much went what Carlton went through, but like a couple of years earlier. And then they're doing well and they made a prelim and things were looking up and then, bang, suddenly they fall down. Goodwin doesn't seem that great a coach. Um, they can't win games. They are, as you said, mediocre. And I just think it's unbelievable. It was like a false hope or whatever. Um, like an oasis in the desert that the Melbourne fans thought they were sort of heading towards. And then as soon as things looked good and they were making prelims, it disappeared and they've gone back to not making finals. So um, if they don't make finals in 2021, it's like, you had a whole rebuild. Like, what was it for? Like, what's going on? Mm. That being said, I've always said that progress isn't linear. Um, I've always maintained that during Carlton's rebuild. Um, uh, but I, like, I just feel pretty bad for Melbourne supporters having to sort of endure all that. Um, and then looking like things were up and they were back to being a really good side. And then, boom, not mm. just the old Melbourne comes Crazy. back. Um, so I think they're under a lot of pressure next year. Um, yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there. And um, there's one thing I wanted to talk about, just sprung to mind, and it's the mm-hmm. language used in AFL football. And it's a little bit of a side note, a side topic, but I want to delve into it because it's an interesting discussion that we could have here. Yep. Okay. And it's it's around the word rebuilding and rebuild. Okay. I think you look at Essendon, right? You described it as a rebuild, which is spot on, but I can 
go to the equivalent to say we compare Hawthorne to a Fremantle and a North Melbourne to a Fremantle or, or who's an up and coming team, not Adelaide, but maybe a Sydney or something, you know, these, these younger teams who are rebuilding. You never hear the word rebuild being used at Frio, but it's, I just think that rebuild, it's a really, it's, it's okay to use on the outside, but I reckon if you're a club coach, the word rebuild, all that says is that, oh, we're at it. We've just lost a couple of games in a row and we're really struggling. And what we need to do now is rebuild. But look at Fremantle. Like. Look at Fremantle, that- however. They, they yeah. have not used – you haven't heard the, the word rebuild used once because they're not rebuilding now. They're, they're pushing for finals. And I think when clubs and coaches – like I'm pretty sure – yeah, Alistair Clarkson used it, which is – it's a big attack because he is, he's, he's a successful coach, obviously. But um, I think even John Worsfold is... Anyway, the word gets used so much in AFL football by the clubs. But it's just... It's, it's not a good word to be using. Like, it's not positive. It's All it's saying is that, is that oh, we're, we're, we're not in a good place at the moment. And we've got to yeah. just... I, I think that... I think when it's fine for anyone else to use it, but the people inside the clubs don't don't use the word rebuild because it's it's a negative sort of word. It's yeah, it's not. Look, it's, it's just saying that oh, like... we're it's this is what it's saying. It's saying give us some leeway, everyone. Like don't worry, we're going to lose a few games, but we're rebuilding. So so don't put pressure on me. Like I just think I really don't like the word rebuild. I it's it's yeah, not positive yeah. at all. And and when Sounds it's used like... by a coach, yeah, it's terrible. I think. Sounds like you think we should need to rebuild the use of the word rebuild, and I might yeah. just correct you. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't refer to what Essen needs to do as a rebuild. I was referring to other people saying that they're yeah, doing yeah. a rebuild, and I agree that rebuild. I, know, I see what you're saying, and I think the word gets overused, and that there have been two legitimate rebuilds I can think of, like where it was actually just like from the ground up which I think Melbourne and then Carlton. And it's justified when referring to Carlton when you consider the list turnover that Steven Silvani went through. Like he just sort of went bang and just like sort of got rid of everyone, brought new people in. That was a legitimate rebuild. But um, I think we should move on to the next topic. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a really interesting discussion. We could, Mm -hmm. it's it's a tough one. Uh, Now we're going to go, I wanted to touch on the coaching handover, John Worsfold to Ben Rudden. What? Why do you think it was right for this coaching handover to happen in in the span of one whole season? Like, honestly, I've got an opinion on it. I'm not going to delve into it. I want to get your thoughts <laughs> first. But what are your thoughts about this whole handover between John Worsfold and Ben Rudden over one season? Well, what handovers have we seen in the past? I don't think I've ever seen a handover to the extent that this one sort of been like marketed. Like I, every time I look at an Essendon match, like the way they're presenting it is like worse folds, like taking yeah. his child to kindergarten and his kid and his child is just six foot two, big block pen run, like holding hands, like showing him how to do everything. Like it's just so funny. Like, and then, and I haven't seen that before. Like I know there was probably succession plans with, I don't know. Was it Paul Rooster Longmire? I don't even know. Maybe Malthouse and Buckley. I don't even think Malthouse liked that he was getting thrown out so I haven't seen it um, 
done this way, like Essendon thought they were being all, I don't know, progressive and cool with their long, big yeah. succession plan. Let's hand it over, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't really have any comments on it. Maybe yeah. it'll prove to be really, really effective if Rutten's a good coach. Um, who well, knows yet? We don't really know. Look, I find it astounding. I, I, I want to live through more of these coaching handovers to see if they actually work. <laughs> but I find it astounding that at this level, you have to spend a year sort of mentoring a coach or whatever they were doing. But you've got a whole list of players in front of you. You've got Joe Danaher. You've got all these stars, Adam Saad, sitting there. This is a year to win a premiership. It's not to... Like you, t- yeah, I know. Exactly I'd, anyone, who, who, anyone, all the listeners mm-hmm. out there, if you think, if anyone thinks that John Worsfold and his handover to Ben Rudden was ever going to, if you think that Essendon was ever going to win a premiership this season, please come and tell me because I'd love to hear why. Yeah. Because yeah. how 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 are they ever going to win a premiership while doing this handover? Now it is possible, right? How, like how are this co- how are the planes meant to sort of operate yeah, exactly. around this handover? And, we've heard, and and what yeah. a waste! What a waste of a year, though. I know they've got the and good list. That, the, the list was amazing. Yeah, and they've got the like we've heard those problems with Essendon players not knowing the game plan. But yeah, imagine Essendon made it to finals. Imagine they made it to the grand final. What would the little mentorship be doing then? Would it be? You know, Westfold holding Rutten's hand yeah. in the coach's box, telling him where to do this, et cetera, et cetera. They've tr- they seem to have marketed it, treated it as a transition year. It's when, such a waste of you know, a year. It just should have been yeah. a normal year, yeah, when they should yeah. have been going for the finals. And I know they were, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And, uh, okay, fair enough. If, if they were a really young side and, like, and they were in Adelaide, for example, and, like, they just weren't <laughs> going to make finals. Like, fair enough. Do, do your coaching handover. But yeah, got the, exactly. they had the list to push for a top four spot. Yeah, but 100%. Astounding. Very astounding. Yeah. Now, Zach Williams and Adam Saad to Carlton. <gasps> How much of an effect? Where do you think Carlton can finish? Like, if they get these pickups, what do you think they'll do for the club? Obviously, you've got Cade Simpson leaving. Sam yeah, Doherty's okay. getting older. What 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 are these picks, these pickups going to do for Carlton? Yeah, well, Doherty's not that old, but um, uh, yeah. Look, I'm not going to lie; it feels pretty good, like for a team that's not in the finals. I, I feel pretty good about my club at the moment. But just seeing Essendon's implosion in the past couple of days, it's a good reminder of how things, how quickly things can change, and how things are never as good as they seem. A couple of seasons ago, Essendon had just got subbed. Stringer and um, Devin Smith and things were looking great. I'm sure the Essendon fans were feeling how I feel about the club, about my club right now. And then fast forward three years later and they are just a complete rabble, a disgusting organisation. No, I'm kidding. They're not that bad. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but, um, but um, yeah, things can change quick. But I have to say, I was very happy when Williams and I went to Carlton. I was even happier when we got Saad coming over from Essendon. And, you know, there's rumours floating around that we're not quite done yet. Um, so, uh, yeah, fingers crossed that we can land someone even bigger. Um, but yeah, in terms of our expectations next year, Williams will go straight into the midfield. Um, I know he's typically a halfback flanker. Hopefully he can have as much impact in the midfield side straight into the halfback flank. And we've been missing run in our team. We've been missing sort of run off the halfback flank and we've been missing a great small forward. Um, Again, Adrian Dodoro just does my head in because if he traded Danaher last year, we probably could have gotten Papley and that and his incredible. So 
I'm angry about that. We still need to get a good small forward um, or at least a serviceable one. Like, that's is like, he's pretty old. Zach Fisher um, has been he's playing been the small forward and I think he's a gun already. I think he's going to get even better. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, 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 am I expecting finals? You I can't be. expect finals. I can't expect finals based on the past five years. Like, I, I just feel always that I'm setting myself up for disappointment. But if others expect finals and I'm thinking, yeah, I see where you're coming from, I expect, I expect top 10 is what I expect. But if we don't get top 10, I'll be, I'll be disappointed. Um, well, to make finals, yes. you're going to have to replace a club. So I think Geelong, you could replace yeah. St. Kilda. Um, G, no, GWS didn't make it. Um, Bulldogs, Bulldogs, you could replace. Yeah. yeah. So th- there's. I shouldn't yeah. say. Yeah, I shouldn't say. I'll be disappointed if we finish. If we don't finish top ten, I'll be disappointed if we don't finish top eight. Like I want finals. I, I want finals really badly. Um, let me just get that straight. However, in terms of just like taking an objective look at our our team in relation to other teams, I think we should be finishing top ten. And if we aren't finishing top ten, then I'll actually be having like questions about where we're going and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's a very good uh, summary and expectation, I think, for the Carlton Blues next year. Mm-hmm. So the AFL Grand Final now Port Adelaide have progressed through to the qualify to the pre- prelim as well as Brisbane. So they're playing against whoever wins out of the 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 finals this week. Um, so it's either going to be a Port Adelaide Grand Final against someone else or a Brisbane grand final against someone else. Um, now, that, that doesn't really make sense. But if, <laughs> if, if Brisbane lose, and if Brisbane lose and Port Adelaide win, the grand final is going to be played at the Gabba. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that because... Uh, sorry, it's okay. Why, why should they be playing it at the Gabba? I, I reckon the AFL have made a mistake here. Because if Port Adelaide wins and they're not playing Brisbane because they, they've lost to Collingwood or Geelong and Geelong and Collingwood are in the granny, why, 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 should have, why did they pencil in the Gabba? They should have left the Adelaide Oval open. Port Adelaide finished first this year. And if they're playing against um, Collingwood or Geelong, it would have been yeah, look, way I'm, more I'm... better to have it at Adelaide Oval rather than at the Gabba where... Look, Got I, no I, strongly dis- sort of thing. I strongly disagree with you here um, wow. on multiple counts, to be honest. Well, firstly, yeah. I think you're, I, I, I'm going to get a little, a little, um, a little acerbic. Um, uh, the grand final has never been that the team that finishes first gets to play at their home ground. That's never what the grand final has been. It's always been the MCG because that's just the ground that the AFL has chosen and has always chosen to have the yes. game at for pretty much every consideration other than the latter. Like the MCG is best for attendance. It's best for the history and the culture of the game. It's best for sponsorship. It's best for money. It's best for just the, yeah, the tradition and culture. Um, it doesn't matter who finishes first. Like it doesn't like West coast have had to play grand finals against <clears throat> Collingwood at the um, MCG. I don't know who finished a high that year, but if West Coast did finish higher, they still had to play at the MCG against a team whose home ground was the MCG that they maybe finished higher than. So it doesn't have anything really to do, the grand final venue, with um, what, like, you finish on the, the ladder fans. and it never has. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and also I think that um, while well, Adelaide Oval is a beautiful oval, um, I do think Queensland deserve to have it because of what they've done for the season this year. Like they've they've saved the season, and I think they deserve to have the grand final there. And it doesn't matter about who finished higher. If Adelaide finished higher than Brisbane and they played the game at the Gabba, then that's just because the Gabba was decided as the venue, the same way the MCG is every year. Yeah, look, I will be honest. I'm not. I'm not very strong on my opinion with this, but I am. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do still believe that. Like, it's just a. It'd be. It would have been a pretty, a good option to have, Adelaide Oval open if Brisbane weren't to make to the finals and, and Port Adelaide. Like when 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 Port Adelaide can play in their home state in front of their fans, um. If, if there's not going to be a Queensland team in the granny, why not play it in front of their home fans what, like, while you can? Um, yeah, because, again, but, but because I do... it's not about it's not about that. It's just about this. Yeah. And it's it's weird look, because it's, it's different to the rest of the season. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> like, it's not it's not really fair that West Coast played GWS are playing games against Richmond, playing the grand final against Richmond. It's not really fair that. West Coast were playing games at the MCG against Collingwood, grand finals against Collingwood. So it's just part of the way things have always been like that. It's always at the MCG. It can't be the MCG at the MCG this year. So it's at the Gabba. Um, And it's got nothing to do with who the team's playing on. It's just at the Gabba. Look, yeah. I understand that like they probably need like weeks in advance to organize the grand final but I will say it is 2020, so you can definitely change it for this year and, uh, yeah. and, and keep it very flexible right until you know who's in it. They could have done that. But I'd also say, and this is why I believe this, imagine the atmosphere at Adelaide Oval if, Adelaide were put, if Port Adelaide were playing Collingwood or Geelong, right, um, compared to the atmosphere at the Gabba if Port Adelaide were playing uh, Geelong or or, yeah, I know. Or Collingwood, right? That, There's a huge difference there, and the atmosphere yeah. would be way better at Adelaide. Over the thing yeah. is, the teams participating in the grand final has never ever factored in to considerations regarding where the game should be played. So it doesn't make sense for it to be factored in this year. Even though I understand you're saying that the, that 2020 is a year of change and you know adaptability, yeah. um, it would be too. It would be far, in my opinion, it would be far too much of a change from what we've seen for the part for my entire life and for the past 50 years when it comes to grand final venues, it doesn't matter who's in it. It's got nothing mm. to do with the venue. Yeah. I think um, that, that's a, that's definitely a fair call. It's um, yeah, but yeah, I will say well, I'll go, I'll go back to 2020 on that, but look, I'm happy it's at the Gabba. I don't mind either way because the Gabba's done a lot. Queensland's done a lot for footy this year and it's kept the game alive. So I'm happy that it's at the Gabba. And look, if, if Brisbane were in the granny and they were playing Port Adelaide, I'd rather it at the Gabba, 100%. Um, so it's just the case where if, if, if Brisbane weren't in the grand final and Port Adelaide were, then I question, okay, maybe it'd be better at Adelaide Oval. But look, it's up for discussion. And, um, and yeah, look, I'm happy. I'm happy it's at the Gabba because they've done a lot. Queensland's done a lot for the game. Okay, well, that wraps up our segment, Charlie. Thanks for coming on once again, resident philosopher. Uh, Hope you have a lovely afternoon and weekend.
You too, Max. You're a very impressive young man, and I wish you the best, as always. And that was Charlie Gill, our resident philosopher, and uh, as always, we thank him for coming on the Sports Hour, and uh, we appreciate his thoughts, some in- interesting discussion there. And uh, that pretty much wraps up our show for today. Uh, Plenty happening in the world of sport this weekend. So I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy your sport and uh, we'll see you soon. This time next week, 5 to 6 every Friday on the Sports Hour on Brimbank Live on Live FM.